Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, a show about comic book movies approached from every angle and a community of nerds discussing how fiction relates to nonfiction. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, James Skyler Houtsma, and the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson. SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week, we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently, so we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, science, or coochie-coo, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode... Blood farming facility. Vampires decided that hunting humans on a piecemeal basis was too inefficient. Why kill your prey when you can keep them alive? Under optimal conditions, a donor can generate anywhere from 50 to 100 pints of blood. Productive. Where do you get all these people? They got processing centers in every major city. At any given time, there's what? Two, three million homeless wandering around America? They just pull them in off the streets. Nobody cares about them. We're doing this country a service, really. Vampire Final Solution. Blade Trinity. And yes, there will be spoilers. Who wants to start it? Who wants to start it? Anyone? 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 All right. I'll start it. Oh, okay, go ahead. And in lieu of saying anything about this movie, I'm just going to snack on some of my pickled radishes and just make gross chewing sounds for about 30 seconds. Oh, well, that's about... That's the, that's the best thing I can, make, I can say about this movie is gross chewing sounds. That's, a, you know, that's about the plot of this film. Yeah. I this. I've seen a lot of bad movies doing this podcast, and like in the <laughs> mid and like in the mid to late two thousands, um, there were a lot of like really bad, dumb, comic book action movies, and this one's dumb and it's bad. But this is the first one that I found to be morally objectionable. <laughs> Like, the other ones were just, just bad in the fact of, like, like the, man... The other ones were just boring. Yeah. This one was straight up, like, misogynistic. Really? I found it to be so, yeah. Even... Homophobic, at least. Yeah, please. It, 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 there, there, there's some, like, really destructive conceptions of masculinity going on in this movie. I would like at least one example. Um, there's a lot of talk about, like, whose dicks is bigger... 
there, there's a lot of like homophobic jokes that I'm just like I'm not on board with this. Um, I actually took it to be more racist. Uh, yeah, it's that too. It's that too. I I have clear examples of racism. Yeah. Uh, if with the exception that Wesley Snipes is the main character. That is the one caveat they have going for them. I think that's called tokenism. Um, well, no, no, no. See, the thing is, when the two, what are they called, Night Stalkers, show up for the first time to break Blade out of jail, mm-hmm. uh, the driver shows up, just barrels right through the police barricade, is like, hey, I'm your I'm your driver. And you go, um, and you're like, oh, a new character, fun. And they get in the car. And I think Hannibal King says, introductions time. My name is Hannibal King. And then the other one was, and then Jessica Biel's like, I'm Abigail Whistler. The driver did not say anything. And I went, fucking black driver doesn't get a name? Fuck you, all right? Yay, Hollywood whitewashing. And then when their second driver came out, who was like a white British guy, he's like, my name's Colin. Like his first line is him saying his name as if like. (sighs) I did not even pick up on that. Like just like to pick up on the fact that everybody else says their name who's important except for the black driver. And I was like, fuck this driving Miss Daisy bullshit right now. All right. Again, the exception being. Blade is the main quote-unquote character of the film. But continue what you were saying, Ben. (laughs) There's like a lot of jokes about... Maybe not. There's like some weird jokes about anal rape that didn't play well with me. There was uh, a a pretty racy scene where Drake opens up uh, a girl's throat in like the vampire shop. That was it. That was really rape vibey. Like that shot bothered me. I know, but I'm like, is that done well? Because no, it, it makes him terrifying. Because he's supposed to be an intimidating villain, or is that just like because he's the villain? He's doing a heinous act, and it's sort of like subconscious subtones mm. of rape. And it's because that's kind of what I thought it was. I thought the imagery is pretty overt, and I thought it was cheap and distasteful. Oh, see, I'm on the fence about it because I'm like, isn't that what biting into a woman's neck kind of represents in vampirism? Because all of vampirism yes. is just sex uh, tropes and, and it, it, idioms and analogies, yep. um, which they personified to a T. Uh, Skylar, pipe in here before Skylar, I go to a Skylar, full spiel. I this movie. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Chewing noises. <laughs> Great, I I do think it's funny that um you guys are talking about you know the black driver get, doesn't get an introduction, but that Blade is the quote unquote main character. He sued, uh, he as in Wesley Snipes sued the uh, studio and David Goyer for apparently not getting enough screen time and them shifting the focus to Jessica Biel and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Which is understandable, because those two are like, you know, one of only a small handful of characters, who, or at least actors, who cared in this movie. Even in Iota, which isn't saying much. But it's it's kind of fun to watch Ryan Reynolds and Parker Posey and whatnot, and Patton Oswald for like ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> 
do whatever they do in this just clearly mutilated, dated, boring-ass movie. There were several action scenes that you went, okay, great, fun. And then you were like, fuck, do I need 20 more of them? How many goddamn vampires are you going to kill in this movie? And how, like, you're going to do it systematically. Jesus. There was one scene where everybody's off doing, like, solo battles, and Blade is literally just walking down a line shooting a shotgun into the open air and hitting every single fucking thing in the next shot. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. And, oh, fuck, this movie just drenched in vampire stereotypes the the vampire stereotypes they were trying pretty hard to distinguish themselves from in one and two uh like you had in in one there was just sort of like they're all partiers they're kind of like uh there's a there's a sect of them that's like dirty biker gang and then there's a sect of them that's just wants to rave and drink blood out of sprinklers and then in two they invented a whole new different kind of vampire that hadn't been seen before and you're like, well, that's kind of cool. Um, and then in three, they were like, nope, incest. Everybody wears really drapey clothing. How far down does your shirt need to fucking be, Dominic Purcell, till we know that, yes, it is white, feathery, and open-collared? Thank you. You are Dracula. Your sex appeal knows no bounds. What the fuck ever, Drake? Also, I, I, we, we, can, we can put some bounds on his sex appeal. Um Certainly a lower bound is the lower hem of his weird shirt thing. <laughs> also, why is he Dracula? He seems like just kind of a anticlimactic actor for that iconic role. That, and I was really... Like, they were going with, he's not Transylvanian. He's this, like, ancient Sumerian Dracula. And I went, hey, why don't we make it a black guy? You know, Blade is one of those franchises where... You know, it opened up the medium for black leads. Uh, it took a long time after it for another movie to uh, catch up, but still. Um, if you have your third movie to have the antagonist kind of match the uh, protagonist in that mirror sort of way that Marvel always does, it, it makes sense. I think there's a lot of different weird things that were attempted with this film and then never really fleshed out. Or just like, again, like we saw that that just, because they just jumped in between so many different scenes uh, and everything just sort of moved pretty quickly. And then it was just like, and we're talking and now action scene. We're talking and now action scene. Drake is disgusted with the world. Action scene. (laughs) I think by far the most interesting thing about this movie is the behind the scenes turmoil that went on. For those who don't, for those who don't know, basically, um, to boil it down, uh, Wesley Snipes and director David Goyer did not get along. In fact, um, they frequently almost came to blows. And allegedly, Snipes spent most of the uh, shooting in his uh, trailer, getting high. Well, you don't have to say allegedly. You can. There are word. There are. There's a person attached to that quote. That is something Patton Oswalt has reportedly said about his time on set. But anyway, uh, let's get into the money. Uh, specifically, Patton, speaking of Patton, Patton Oswalt, he was wearing a Fantastic Four shirt. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. So Blade 
was was did Fox own Blade? I don't remember. Or uh, did New Line Cinema? New Line Cinema had the Blade trilogy. It's since gone back to Marvel. So. So they got away with a Fox property blatantly put on a T-shirt, um, or were they just like that number four could mean anything? Don't sue us. I think there's enough ambiguity to it, and also they, you know, probably could have forked over X amount of dollars for using like the merchandise from that in an ambiguous way. Interesting. So New Line Cinema. Under a budget of $65 million. Mm, kind of parsnippy. Uh, but it's the third movie in this budget franchise. <laughs> Indeed it is. And how did it fare? Well, brought in $52 million, uh, in the U.S. That's from a December release, I believe. So that's Ooh. okay, I guess, maybe. Foreign gross is $76.9 million. That's... Well, it's a little better than USA uh, for a total gross of $128.9 million. That it matches the first Blade movie and falls short of Blade 2. Well, Blade 2 was a much better film. Uh, I liked the... <laughs> I liked the Roger Ebert uh, grading system on the Blade franchise. It's like Blade 1, 3 out of 4 stars. Solid, independent film. Blade 2 expanded on the the first one, created a fun new story. I'm, of course, I'm paraphrasing a lot. Uh, three and a half out of four stars. He gave Blade 2 three and a half out of four stars. Blade Trinity, one and a half out of four. Style over substance all the way. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. And what is it, 25% on Rotten Tomatoes? That's a, des- a deserved 25%. It's right yeah, where say. it should be. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think this movie would have been better if you'd seen Blade 1 and 2? I haven't seen Blade 1 or 2. Um, you have a bit more attachment to the Whistler character in that okay. case, because he gets offed off pretty early. <laughs> so it would be even worse. Yes, it would be worse. Oh, definitely, it would be worse. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to be watching these in reverse order then. Yes. Uh, in the words of X, Jean Grey from X-Men Apocalypse, at least, at least we all know that the third ones always suck. Don't even start on that line. <laughs> <laughs> Little inside joke meant for X-Men, but kind of uh, applicable to certain comic book movies. Because you're right, Ben. Which this is worse. Yeah, well, we're, yes, we are currently wafting through a period of shitty comic book movies. Right, and then it's going to get a little bit better in the early 2000s, and then it's going to take another dive the in the 90s. The 2000s for comic book is the the mid to late 2000s are to comic book movies what the mid to late 90s were for comic books. <laughs> Pretty much. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and uh, so we got to. I just want to talk on a few points before I get into comic book because I don't really have a lot there, and I think we're having a really cool conversation here in that. Blade is uh, technically he's not African American, but in the movie he's African American, and he's the leading character. When was the next time after Blade Trinity that we saw a black person in the spotlight for comic book movies? Like as the lead? You mean as the lead? I'm not talking funny sidekick. You're not talking Falcon. 
Yeah, not Falcon, not War Machine, um, not fucking Darwin. <laughs> Black uh, Panther. Black Panther is. We're he still was the best waiting part of for it. Civil War. Yeah, I'm. T- I don't know if he's like the central character in it though. Not a chance. Uh, that movie is about Iron Man slash Captain America slash Bucky. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Catwoman, but that's technically before this movie, so. So you could probably count the amount of uh, black lead comic book characters uh, on one hand. Because you've got all three blades. All right, blade locked it down. You've got Catwoman, and you've got Steel, played by Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> yeah, that movie exists. It's not something you want to tout, I guess. I can't wait. <laughs> but is that it? I feel as if I'm missing one that happened in like the the mid 2000s that I should have like or like the late that we've already covered, right? But it, I n- nothing's coming to my mind. Black superhero, nothing. Um, okay, this is a bit of a stretch, but um, Suicide Squad is coming out in a few weeks from this recording, and I guess technically you could say that Will Smith is the at least one of the three headliners in it. So. You know, not a superhero, supervillain, um, but it does rest on his leading the film, even if it, he is sharing most of the screen time with uh, uh, two other characters. Well, ten other characters. Yeah. So, but really, the next titular black character is going to be Black Panther. Yeah. It's, uh, That's what it seems like. It's wow. long overdue. Yeah, really. So Blade Trinity has been the last thing that we have looked at with a leading black character. And it's been 10, 12 years. I know we're, we're going back in time. Blade Trinity came out in 2004, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so it's – holy shit, Hollywood America. <laughs> uh, we've, we're, there's so many great black uh, superhero characters, but they don't get to headline, I guess. Falcon didn't get to headline – or there's no plans. That's why I keep saying I want Don Cheadle in Iron Man 4 as Iron Man 4. Motherfucker. I will even take Anthony Mackie as the next Captain America. Because that's what it is in the comics, too. He's currently Captain America. Yeah. I, I'm just reminded of that whole stink that was made a year or two back when Michael B. Jordan was cast as uh, Johnny Storm in Fantastic Four, and that's, you know, one of four headliners, and just the pure, whatever you want to call it from that. I, Weird racist outburst? Yeah, that's uh, that uh, that sums it up. America <laughs> lost its clarity for a second? Johnny Storm does not need to be a white guy, all right? Um, a blade kind of needs to be a black guy, all right. Just for the sake of, you can't have a white guy play Black Panther, all right. That's just how it is. And yeah. you, you, you can't have. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any white characters that are immune to becoming black people. Probably, I would, on top of my head right now, Hal Jordan, specifically. Like you might as well just go straight to John Stewart for Green Lanterns. Yeah. Um, but like I don't know. I think a lot of other ones. It's okay if they end up being a different ethnicity, really. I mean, I would be totally fine if Superman was a black guy. Would not care. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. I I think those, you know, the trinity of 
uh, superheroes that you're talking about on Reddit, you know, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, they can be. It's just going to be such a firestorm of hatred if anyone tries to do that. Stupid fanboys are going to be like, oh, no, you're ruining my childhood. I know. Ghostbusters, anyone? Well, that was the talk of when Donald Glover was possibly going to play Spider-Man. And I was like, oh, shit, sweet. That would be great. Fucking (laughs) yeah, do it. And then everyone was like, no, yes, no, yes. That was weird because there was a lot of people voting for it and a lot of people voting against it. (laughs) And then... The uh, in the wake of the Sony hack, I believe, an email memo was sent out that sa- said that um, the movie Peter Parker was only ever going to be a white heterosexual male. Oh, so, well, way well, to keep it progressive, studios. Damn it! You know, this is what I said way back in Spider-Man News Breakdown too. Is I want an Asian American Spider-Man. All right. I don't know why. I, I I mean, I I kind of know why, but I wouldn't be able to describe what I'm thinking without sounding like a prick because I'm so fucking good at that. <laughs> uh, go go back and listen to Spider-Man News Breakdown. Uh, let's move on to comic book characters. All right, let's get back to the actual meat of the show. Blade Trinity does not have a lot to offer in our typical breakdown segment because the movie is just action sequences compiled on top of one another. Right, and it's and the the pieces in between are just not enough to really uh, to, to 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 nibble on, because I've only got two characters, two premiered in this movie that were not um, movie originals, because Abigail Whistler movie original, um, pretty much the entire Night Stalker gang, with the exception of Hannibal King. Movie original, all of those evil vampire group that Parker Posey was leading around movie original. So what we're going to do is start with Hannibal King, premiered in Tomb of Dracula, number 25, 1974, Gene Colan and Marv Wolfman. Turned into a vampire by Deacon Frost, Hannibal renounces his vampirism and all of its perks. He chooses to never drink a person's blood, supplying off stolen donations and animal blood, are surviving off stolen donations and animal blood, and he promises to never turn anyone into a creature of the night either. So he's he's like Edward, but not. You yeah, I mean he's not, but he's not seeking women who are much old, younger than him. Um, much younger. Because uh, he even avoids using his like super strength, speed, and senses that all come with vampirism. Um, and his journey to get back at Deacon Frost for turning him into this soulless creature, he, of course, runs into Blade, uh, both being pretty gruff characters. He's not really the Ryan Reynolds archetype in the movie, where Ryan Reynolds just plays the same character that he did in X-Men Origins Wolverine. They don't really get along at first, but after bringing down Frost, they became besties for life. They even ran a supernatural detective agency together, until one thing led to another, and Blade stabbed Hannibal in the heart. That's a twist. What are these things? What led to what? <laughs> well, you, you, can't just, you can't just be like, oh, and then he was betrayed by his best friend, and not be like, say why. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, there was this guy named Adolf who went to, uh, to art school, and then one thing led to another, and he killed six million Jews. Um, okay, first of all, 
They weren't all Jewish people. Second of all, say Jewish people. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> Third of all, it was 6.2 million. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh at genocide. All right. Um, I'm not laughing at the genocide. I'm laughing at the... Yeah, okay. Uh... <laughs> laugh, at, laugh at art school. Yes. <laughs> Who goes to art school? Who goes to school? <laughs> um, what happens? Uh, how does D... Why does Hannibal King eventually get to... Oh, um, because Blade and Hannibal King team up with Doctor Strange, and they form this ultimate vampire cure that heals everyone of... that just destroys all the vampires in the world. Destroys all of them. Um, kind of like what happened in this movie. And after they do that, Hannibal King survives because he never took the blood of another human being, which made him somewhat partially immune to the virus because the virus was magical in nature. It attacked their souls or lack thereof. And then eventually that sort of wear off war and eventually he was cured completely of vampirism and then he started to get vampirism back again went down a few dark turns and was like dude i really want my soul back and blade found a way to get his soul back but refused to do it because vampires made a comeback and there was this magical way that would return every soul to a vampire so it would give them a chance to be good again but they still were vampires, and they no longer had the, the weaknesses of vampires. Sunlight and heart stabby turn into fire. Heart would stab and kill them now, but it wouldn't, they wouldn't burst into flames. So he's like, no, I'm not going to get rid of the only weaknesses my immortal he- enemies have. So then Hannibal King was like, well, fuck you. And they fought, and Blade stabbed him. All right. There you go. One thing there led to another. One thing did lead to another. <laughs> uh, and the, the the last character I'm talking about is Dracula. The Marvel version of Dracula. They have a very specific version of Dracula in Marvel Comics that's, of course, loosely based on the legend that was caramelized in Bram Stoker's novel, Dracula. Caramelize is definitely the right word in that context. Uh, premiered in Tomb of Dracula, number one, 1972. Jerry Conway, Gene Colan. Real name, Vlad Dracula. Born in 1430, Vlad was a member of the Royal Transylvanian Line until a battle with a Turkish warlord left him mortally wounded and he sought help of a gypsy woman to heal him. She resented his treatment of the gypsy people, since he was a ruling lord, and cursed him with vampirism. With this new power, he rose to sovereignty in Transylvania, (laughs) and eventually ruler of all vampire kind after slaying the first vampire, Varney, which increased his power even more. I don't like the way you run things here, let me give you eternal life so you can run things forever. Uh, yeah. Well, he's not allowed to do it in sunshine, so... But he made the best of it. Um, in the 19th century, the events of Bram Stoker's Dracula take place as if they were real events. So Jonathan Harker and Abraham Val- Van Helsing uh, lock him away in a tomb 
for more than a century. Uh, he has awoken in the 21st century and comes to blows with the his original oppressor's descendants, Quincy Harker and Rachel Van Helsing. Uh, by now, he runs into Blade frequently, and his vampire hunting group of friends. They come to blows a, f a few amount of times as well. Then it gets weird. He moves to the moon and enacts what? a plot where he launches specially made vampires at London from orbit what? like missiles. Oh, yeah. What? Okay. Here we go. He builds some more ships to lay siege to London, only to have the bulk of his forces destroyed, discovering that Quincy Harker's remains were specifically treated to give no vampire permission to enter the UK without invitation. <laughs> what the f <laughs> so oh everything blows up as it hits an invisible magical doorway. Okay. Because you know the old trope of you have to invite vampires into your home. Yeah. Yes, so <laughs> they didn't get invited into the UK, uh, and they all fucking blew up. <laughs> wow. Uh, then he runs into the X-Men a lot more, which is weird, uh, and Jubilee becomes a vampire, yada yada. Dracula still hangs out every once in a while. Ran into Hulk a couple times, too. He's just sort of there if they ever need to do a Halloween special. What a weird guy. Or to put the title versus Dracula on the front of any comic book. Because <laughs> that's still a thing. X-Men yeah. Apocalypse versus Dracula is the name of a real comic book where he fights Apocalypse. Uh, uh, X-Men Apocalypse versus sex pun involving Dracula. Uh, Dicula. Actually, uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Come on. Dicula. Or Jackula, Dracula, uh, E Dracula, uh, E Jacula. Jacula, there we go. Jacula, that's it. <laughs> Ask Apocalypse versus E Jacula. <laughs> oh, I love this show. Oh, me too. Um, to expand on a few couple more things, uh, there were just to talk about the movie more. Um, there were. Two alternate endings to this movie. Fun, fun little factoids. Uh, number one, you saw the theatrical ending, which of course involved him stabbing Drake with that cure bomb, the Daybreaker, Day, Day Storm, Day something cure, um, and that it killed all vampires except Blade, who is just fighting the war eternally and. Drake turns into Blade to fool the cops at the autopsy. And then there's the first alternate ending, the unrated, the one that David Goyer wanted to put into the film. Drake's body is gone by the time the cops show up. All right? We, it implies, of course, that he survived. Dracula's still out there. Blade goes to the autopsy, the morgue, and bites the person who is trying to open him up. He straight up wakes up, Bite someone. <laughs> Ooh. Then the movie ends just like that. Too spooky. 
as if to imply that Blade lost his humanity like Dracula was talking about sort of loosely at the end of the film. Um, and then ending number three. Shit, I might have to look at this because this shit is... I might have to read this straight from fucking Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, the day star virus circles the globe and wipes out all vampires. Blade walks off into the sunset, his long battle finally over. The final shot is of the Night Stalkers battling a new enemy, werewolves. This version of the ending was used in the novelization of the film and is included in the DVD as an extra. Hmm. Blade I, would watch, I would watch Blade versus Werewolves. Probably. And uh, another thing, did Blade never use his fucking sword until the end of the movie? Um, I'm trying to think. Pretty sure he didn't until we yeah. had a sword fight with Dracula. Yep. That's when Blade used his blade, and it was fucking stupid. Because <laughs> he didn't kill anyone with his namesake. Alright, I'm done. Music time. Hit me up. Music time. Uh, not as much to talk about this week, but uh, music for Blade Trinity, the score portion at least, done by Raymond Jowdy, uh, composer of Iron Man, Game of Thrones, Clash of the Titans, Warcraft, etc. So Pacific Rim. Oh, yes, of course. Um if only this movie was directed by GDT like that one was. Uh, oh, Guillermo del Toro. And the music. That's what you mean. Yes. Yep. Yep. I forgot about. It. I'm like Who you just keep saying this. Yeah, you just keep saying this acronym, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You have to give me the real name once. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, context that little thing. Um, <laughs> GDT. Uh, goddamn Tories. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know nice. why I love that joke. It's a revolutionary uh, war joke, I think. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, music for Blade Trinity pretty much follows in the uh, the footsteps of what Roger Ebert described. Just a lot of, you know, faux, badass-sounding, techno-punk stuff to make things seem really freaking awesome. And, you know... To be fair, the first uh, clip I have picked out, uh, sh- let's see what it's called here, Shooting Around Corners, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty entertaining listen. Let's cue it up. I think this music would seem a lot cooler if it didn't feel so damn cliche for a movie like this. Yeah, I suppose, you know, by 2004, we had hit the point of, you know, oh, grizzle style over substance movie. Of course, it's going to sound like this. Still, listening to it it on its own, good. In the movie, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, It sounded a lot uh, like Infected Mushrooms stuff. Uh, you know, kind of like the song Converting Vegetarians. This is the time of the revolution, giving it 
On the right track. Seen it. In my mind back. All right, we're done. <laughs> Thank you for that. I loved it. <laughs> that was pretty good. In fact, you should probably just do that for the rest of this segment. No, <laughs> stop, please. <laughs> or no, please continue, actually. <laughs> but by far, the thing I remember more about uh, the music to this movie, not quite the score, but that the music was done by a Raymond Jowdy with additions from the RZA from Wu-Tang Clan who did a song for this movie over the end credits. Uh, I think it's called Fatal and it has quite possibly the best introductory sound bite from the movie you could include. <laughs> Don't know what I'm talking about? Take a listen. Blade. Ready to die. I was born ready, motherfucker. started calling him Rizza. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, because it stars a black main character, it has to have a hip-hop track. Right, otherwise people won't get it, right? Right, right? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I don't... I, I, can you tell me, Skyler, off the top of your head, if Blade 2 and Blade 1 were heavy on the hip-hop? I feel as if with Guillermo del Toro there, he would have curbed that. I think, you know, uh, um, two might have had a few tracks, but not, like, the prominent part of it, as mm -hmm. opposed to score. Yeah, three definitely had a lot of scenes where it was just that sort of background hip-hop beat, and then, you know, a couple syllables sort of said over again. What is he saying in Fatal? Yeah. What is that word? word? Is he saying yeah? Yeah. He's just I always heard it as, like, build it! Build it! B blue did? Blue Build did? it. It's like, Build what? it? Oh. It's like, what are um, you... Yeah, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know um, what he's saying either. Ben, Google search. Hey, um, hold on. Okay, hold on. <laughs> uh, while, while you're doing that, um, I was going to talk about... Uh, lyrics. Yeah. Catwoman 
definitely had hip hop tracks added onto it. Holy bonkers did it have oh. hip hop tracks added onto it. Haven't seen Steel, so I can't. I I I don't know. Um, so, I've only seen snippets. So, yeah, in the, in the beginning, like he says, "Yo" three times. Yo. Okay. Yo. Yo. Uh, and then he goes through the verse. And then there's the hook where he says, Daywalker, 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 Daywalker. That's what he's saying? Yep. That can't be right. Daywalker. Daywalker. No, that, that, that's way too many syllables for what he's well, doing. Hold on, I'll listen to it again. We'll see. Okay, born ready, motherfucker. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> we Skip past that part. We didn't even mention that part. That part's fantastic. Who is born ready to die? <laughs> oh, God, what is he saying? I have no idea. See? Yeah. What the hell is that? It's just. It might just be just a, an enunciation a sound, I think, because it sounds with the beat. You know, I think it's just some That's sort of... That's definitely a yo. An onomatopoeia. Yo. Yo. I can't tell what, what, what they're shouting before that, though. Mm-hmm. So Twitter challenge for this week. What the fuck are they saying? Please, seriously, please. Leave us your interpretation of the that like that weird vocalization at the in the beginning of the song. Ha- uh, hashtag blade fatal. Hashtag uh, oh hashtag RZA lyrics. <laughs> nah, that's already a hashtag. Oh <laughs> damn! Uh, someone give me a good hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag, uh, hashtag Blade WT. W U T, sorry. Blade what? Blade what? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what it is. Alright, let's move on yeah. to more things we can actually explain in science. I'm taking I'm sorry, I stepped over the fact that you might have more music things to talk about. No. Okay. Release me from my misery. Science! Put me in mine. Yay! <laughs> we all get an equal share. What are we doing today, Ben? Vampirism has already been covered. Listen to Justice League Gods and Monsters. There we go. Um, <laughs> today we're going to talk about some and some yo, yo, yo. Um, or whatever he says. No, um, I want to talk about the health effects of inhaling silver. Yes. Okay. Set me up. <laughs> you watched the movie, um, but of course, uh, hopefully everyone else, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, there's a scene where Hannibal King is being held captive, and in order to get him out, Blade and Jessica Biel, um, Abigail Whistler, pump silver filaments, fragments, little microscopic shavings. Aerosolized silver. Aerosolized few. Okay. Something. So, like, air pot, like, turned it into a gas, pretty much. Yeah. And pumped it into the air vents. And, of course, since vampires, if hit by silver, start to turn into fire, um, it starts burning their throats. Um, but I want to talk about, I don't give a shit about that. I mean, yeah. whatever. How yeah. silver affects a fictional being, whatever. Hannibal King is still breathing in all that silver. Mm-hmm. Is that cool? Are we cool with that? Um, well, um, probably the most common and recognizable 
health side effects um, of exposure to silver, and this is like chronic prolonged exposure, um, is basically um, permanent irreversible pigmentation of your skin and or eyes. Um, and it's called agriosis. I'm probably mispronouncing that terribly. Um, but basically your, your skin turns kind of this bluish gray color. So if you're like wearing, if you've got like a silver charm bracelet that you wear day in and day out, uh, eventually that skin around your wrist is going to get bluish gray. No, this is like inhaling fumes. Really? It's specifically fumes. Okay. Yeah, when it's it's when silver compounds like get into the, like the the mucousy surfaces of your body, or you inhale it or ingest it, oh. or inject it. Is that what that one dude had who they you know carted out on like Good Morning America a few years ago, and Avatar came out and he was like, he's the real Navi person, and I was like, I don't feel comfortable with your ethics, GMA. <laughs> Yeah, he actually just had, like, this irreversible skin condition. Oh. Okay. Yes. Um, if you've seen um, The Five People You Meet in Heaven, that movie? Yes, not. I have. The dude with blue skin, that's this. So I, it's, it's, like, pretty rare, but not so rare that I haven't seen, like, a couple people with it at when I'm working at the meat counter of a grocery store. Really? Yeah. But so, is it as extreme in movie cases where they're like freaking blue? It's, it's not freaking blue. It, it's it's gray. It's more gray than blue. Interesting though. Like yeah. you, you are what you breathe. Yeah, so I, I guess, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's the most common um, side effect of silver exposure. And next topic then. Yeah. There's that one blind person. What is that character's name? I have no idea. Uh, her her name is is it's it's uh, Natasha Leone's character Summerfield. Yeah, just her last name. She didn't have a first name. Fucking yeah. tri- Triple H was in this movie. Goddamn. All right. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <forgot> about that. <laughs> and uh, 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 she's blind. All right. Adding on to the one of many characters who actually has a legitimate excuse to wear sunglasses inside. <laughs> Blake's just a douchebag. <laughs> Whenever I'm working and someone like approaches the counter wearing sunglasses, I'm like, oh, shit. They're going to be the rudest dude that's uh, ever existed. Yeah, well, or, that, or, or, or they're blind. Uh, or like they have like a legitimate reason for wearing sunglasses. And a lot of garlic. Stuff it with a lot of garlic. Garlic roast beef. Yeah, real thing. It's cash. (laughs) So, but she's blind, and she's got this nice, cool Braille keyboard. Um, she reads the the Land of Oz to her kid. Um, but 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 she comes up with all of this research. She uses a computer. But how does she use the computer? I understand typing via yeah. Braille keyboard. I mean, you, you wouldn't even need, like, Braille on a keyboard. You just memorize where the keys are. You find home row. Mm-hmm. If you can type without looking, then you can 
Yeah. Then you can just type. You don't. You don't need to look. Yeah. Once you learn how to type, you don't. You don't. You. I could be blind and still type. Now, but 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 she's able to like pull up all this research and do all this scientific. The she develops the cure for vampirism. She does yeah. it with help of other night stalkers, of course. But she is the lead on it, and they don't really take a give you any details of how she did that with her disability. Um, or different ability ability. Is it is it not PC to say disability anymore? Gosh, I should know this because I'm the PC police on this podcast apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so most modern operating systems have really good like vocal feedback built in. Um, so if you go if you're on a Mac, click on System Preferences and open up Accessibility. Um, and there will be a thing that will, like, read stuff that's on the screen to you and take voice commands. So using a computer when you're blind, like, it's it's a different experience, to be sure, um, than if you're sighted. Uh, but it's definitely very doable. Okay. Because I, I, did they do that in Daredevil-ish? I don't remember his computer speaking back to him. Uh, I know his phone would yell the name of the person calling. Yeah, it's 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 stuff like that, just like more general computer things. Because I can't imagine reading like a Wikipedia article. It would read it to you. That's what I mean. But I'm like, yeah, skip all that, please. Like I I scan. Like I don't read everything, of course, as every word comes across. That's just too yeah. much information. I'm like, uh, scan top, scan bottom, pick out details in the middle. Scan top, scan bottom, pick out details in the middle. Oh man, I just kind of want to. I just want to see this whole process in person. Is all. Yeah. I think that's just what's itching me. Is is they didn't show it on uh, in the movie because I'm I'm betting it's kind of boring when you get down to it. Uh, <laughs> it's like watching anyone else use a computer, really. Yeah, but they're it's doing it slightly differently. slower because it, it yeah. reads everything to you. But I'm just I just want to know the whole processing system of <laughs> how uh, how how does a a blind person efficiently use a computer without yeah, having every single piece of text read to them? Yeah, it, there's there's workarounds for sure, and I've never like used these because I find them unnecessary. Obviously, because I'm I'm not blind. Um, <laughs> but right. yeah, I mean it's, it's probably something like you're blind. You just learn how to deal with that. All right, then. Uh, are we out of science topics? Uh, no, because I was going to make the further point that um, being blind and a scientist like might seem a bit odd, but actually there have been many blind scientists and mathematicians throughout history, and I would like to talk about three of them. Oh, okay. Um, rapid fire. Okay. Uh, number one, uh, probably the most... most famous and important mathematician of all time, Euler. I uh, was blind for the last 15 to 20-ish years of his life, and his output of what he was working on and the discoveries he made did not diminish after his blindness. Euler circuits? Yes, that Euler. Oh, So number two. And the other one I want to talk about uh, is a French mathematician named Bernard Morin. Um, he studied topology, which is kind of a, a generalization of geometry in a lot of ways. And uh, he was blind since age six. 
Whoa. So when we're learning like times tables, I can't remember what they teach when you're six. Like when you're learning basic arithmetic, he was blind. Um, but he actually uh, took a career in topology, which is a very visual yeah. field. Like if you, if you open up a, if you like go to a, like a topology, anything, there'll be like tons of weird pictures and animations and it's very visual. And you wouldn't think that a blind person could make a career in this field. Um, but he did. And actually, uh, he can... He, his most famous discovery is um, called the eversion of the sphere, which basically, if you have a sphere and you allow it to stretch and twist and pass through itself, because it's math and we can do that, um, that you can take a sphere and turn it inside out without crinkling, creasing, or puncturing it. Wow. So... There you go. Wow. So, and blind guy did this, did, did this in a, in a field that's very visual. So, there I'm, you go. I'm going to need to see a video of that later. There, I, there is a video. It's like 20 minutes long that shows how a sphere can be turned inside out. And it's fascinating. Yeah. I've watched it like five times all the way through. <laughs> Scientist number three. Uh, that, I only had two. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you said you had three. Um, I wanted to and I looked at the Wikipedia page for the third, and it was like, he was a mathematician, and he was blind and Russian. Mm, That's literally it. I don't have any more interesting things to say about him. Okay. Nothing to say about that sweet UV stabby gun thingy? Oh, shit. What kind of weapon is that? What Seriously. What kind of weapon is that? Okay, well. It's like a like a reverse bow and arrow, and you just fucking stab. It's like a pincer, right? Yeah, it's you just a like, laser sword. It's it's literally like a laser sword, air quotes around sword. So that was one thing in the movie. If it were actually ultraviolet light that that beam was, um, it would not be visible. It'd be like, hey, here's this thing that'll burn your face off. Don't put your face near here. You can't see anything. Also, oh, if, it's as, yeah, if it's as bright as they're saying it is, or as hot, you got to have a welder's mask on to use that thing. The surface of the right. sun is pretty cool. I'm just talking, can I fucking make that in my garage? I just want to wave that thing around. A flashlight sword. Yeah. And you just stack, 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 stab people with it. Ultraviolet light is also what gives you sunburns. So, if you want to burn up a vampire, mm-hmm. there you go. Some, uh, High-energy photons. Mm-hmm. Fuck them up a bit. That all? I think we'll wrap that up. Yeah, I think that's it. Put a bow on that shit. Drinking game rules, and then we out of here. All right, gang? All right. Yeah. You know, you know the drill. Drinking game rules. Well, do, does anyone want to start with the obvious one? Every time the words, fuck you, appear on screen. Not when they're spoken, when they are written down and appear on screen. <laughs> Subtitles don't count. Oh. Unless you're on hard mode. <laughs> Every time it's clearly a Wesley Snipes stand-in shot from the back, because he was just too busy to show up on set. Uh, you got a drink for every time someone wears sunglasses indoors and isn't blind. At night. <laughs> <laughs> Both stipulations. You'll be surprised how frequently it happens. <laughs> Bust out your Bacardi, of course, um, and you just got to take that beautiful shot for the best line of the movie, yes. Drake 
tosses a baby at Blade. Blade lets Drake get away, looks at the baby and says, Gucci Goo. End of scene. <laughs> Amazing! Wow! <laughs> Who fucking wrote that down? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Wesley Snipes, absolute, just 100% on the nail delivery. Gucci Goo. That was the best scene in the movie. Fuck yes! That was amazing! <laughs> Pour out just... a shot of Grey Goose every time someone flips the bird. <laughs> Goosin'. I don't know. Do you just like drink to, to drink some tomato juice to sober up when there's some blood drinking going on? Get get out your V8. I'm just making a Bloody Mary. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. Drink your Bloody Mary when they're drinking blood. Every mm-hmm. time. Okay, drink a Bloody Mary when it's a woman's blood getting drank, and a Bloody Manny. Marty when it's a dude yeah oh take a shot in that really awkward line where it's like she's Whistler's daughter out of wedlock and it's like did you have to add that little stipulation to it oh uh, I have the perfect drink for this founder's dirty bastard (laughs) with scotch ale I think nice there you go um, I don't know. Get some, get some malt liquor when Black Driver doesn't get a line. That's racist. <laughs> Even that made me feel bad. <laughs> well, he should have gotten. He did get. He did get a line later when he was like, "Got you a car. Don't scratch it up this time." And I'm like, "Oh, you're not driving him this time. You're just walking away. What is your purpose in this organization?" Damn. <laughs> It's okay that you're the driver if you're the best at it. That doesn't matter. But if you're the driver because you're black, what the hell? <laughs> Any more drinking game rules? Yeah, I just finish the bottle. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I mean, that entire final exchange between Blade and Drake where, are you ready to die, motherfucker? I was born ready. Motherfucker? I like that. And then they keep saying it back to each other as if they're more clever than the other person. Die, motherfucker. No, now you die, motherfucker. And they're like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Are these children just slapping swords next to each other? Oh, there's the homophobia. All right. <laughs> I think that's going to wrap it up today. Super fans. <laughs> Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by Triop Cop Productions. If you, like, if you like what you hear, hit us up on iTunes. While you're there, be sure to subscribe and be sure to drop us a rating or a review. Um, every time you rate us, every time you review us, um, iTunes algorithms go to work and they do magic for us. They help other people find the show. Um, every time you rate us, uh, a, little, a, little, a little flower blooms. Every time you rate us, a Blade sequel doesn't get made. <laughs> Every time you rate us, someone gruffingly says, Gucci goo to a baby <laughs> in dire need. Uh, and we are still quite active on Twitter. Look for us at Super M Studies. Remember to send us those Rizzo lyrics, hashtag Rizzo lyrics, uh, to tell us what exactly he was saying in that song. Can we use Rizzo lyrics? That's fine, right? Right? Yeah, okay. All right, RZA Lyrics, hashtag 
What is he saying? That should be I fine. Will, I will take anything in this movie. I didn't understand most of the soundtrack. There's more than one instance of a weird sound being made like the one in Fatal. All right, There's another track where that exact same thing happens. And I don't, something about Don't Say My Name. All right, I don't, I don't remember. Um, but Tribecat.com. All right? Nice. We've got, we've got like a full month until I start. <laughs> and now I'm on a timeline. I've got it. All right? All right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have August so open that this website's gonna just get boosted. All right, <sighs> not boosted, stolen, but like boosted, upgrade. Like boosted, like lit. Yeah, like Damn. fire, motherfucker. Uh, it's it's gonna look the same, but more content. <laughs> it's actually gonna we're gonna fill out its shape uh, because oh that they're. The, 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 we'll update those drinking game rules. We'll get you those show notes that nobody's been asking for. Um, <laughs> in August, in August, we said July earlier, but in August, episodes will be coming out one week early on triopcop.com versus Super Movie Studies. It's happening. All right? It's happening. First week of August. I'm going to update the schedule to make amends for it. Um, and that's it. If you want to get involved with the Super Movie Studies crew, we've got ourselves a nice little cohort, right? Between, like, Grant, Twitter Tom, uh, Dr. Amy Lauders, all these fun little rotating cast members, kind of. Contact us at supermoviestudies at triopcop.com. Supermoviestudies at triopcop.com for any inquiries. If you want to tell funny, funny jokes, Twitter. If you want to talk to me. Like an adult email. That's all I got today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Skyler-Hutzma. And Ben Anderson. And I hope you all have a super... What's he, is he going to say it? Oh, fuck. He's offline. We lost him. <laughs> Come on, Michael. Say weak. Oh, that's a cliffhanger. That's such a cliffhanger. Wake up!